0: Life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're
1: through. You'll be set for life. First Corinthians 131. It is written, that means it's truth. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. There's where you put your glorying. If you got to brag, brag about what God did for you. If you got to boast, boast about what God did for you. Don't boast about you. Don't glory in you. That's where God will put you down. What did Nebuchadnezzar say? He is able to put down. And Nebuchadnezzar was a powerful man, and he got put down hard. Boast about Jesus, the things he's done for you. When you brag about what you've done and make it a big deal, honestly, nobody's ever impressed. I could say I've done this and I've done that. And there's things I've done, and I could say all these things to try to impress you. But even if they are impressive achievements, you're not really going to be impressed with me. You're just going to look at me and say, He sure is proud of himself, isn't he? That's what people think. And they're going to be polite and go, Oh, wow, that's great. That's wonderful. And you're like, Yeah, I know. They're not really impressed, guys. When you voice it like that, Glory in the Lord. They'll get impressed with that. <laughs> he did what for you? Because they want to know how they can get it too. So boast in Jesus Christ. You know, it just, just kind of makes you look self to, like a self absorbed know it all when you talk about what you've done for you when you glory in yourself. But when you boast about Jesus, man, I was this messed up sinner. And my life was shot, and but I gave it all to Jesus. Now he has control. He forgave me. He saved me. And now he runs my life and things I, I love this now. I'm so relieved of the burden. Now you're going to impress people. Wow, what is this? Now you're boasting with power. Galatians 6 and 14 says, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. This is why you can't stay friends with the world. You're supposed to be dead. The world's dead to you, and you're dead to the world. That's why you can't be friends with the world anymore. This means you're dead and alive in Christ. Now, I have friends who have died, and they are now gone. I can't hang out with them anymore because they're gone. It's, that's the way it is. We know that. When the dead are gone, they're gone. We can't go do things together like we used to. We can't do those things because they're gone. And the same goes for us, that when we really give ourselves to Jesus, the world becomes crucified, which means executed. The world becomes crucified, executed to us, and we become dead to the world. We're gone. When you, start, when you, you can't play in the world anymore because you're supposed to be gone. How do you visit with those who are gone when they're gone? How do you have relationship with the world when you're supposed to be in Christ? That's what I'm getting at. We're supposed to be crucified. Being saved means you hang out with Jesus. He's now your priority, the one you glory in. So maybe you're thinking, Ray, well, I think maybe I've been going about things the wrong way. I don't want to be an enemy of God. What do I need to do to get right with the Lord? Glad you're asking. James gives, gives us a list of answers to that question. And if you follow this, it will get you in line with the Lord. James 4 and 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Okay, Christians, you want to see other people around you get saved? Then purify Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Don't be double-minded. Don't be thinking world and Jesus, world and Jesus. That's double-minded. You can't think like that. Pick one, get on that side and stay there. People that are not saved and in the world, I'm not as hard on them as I am on people who say they're believers but still act like they're in the world. That's the one that gets me really riled up. I really get after them because they're being double-minded. It confuses people. If you say you're a believer, act like one. It's kind of what I, it's kind of what James is saying. And it's kind of the way I stand too. Submit to God, though, he says. Therefore, submit to God. Submit means to give yourself all of yourself over to the authority of God. When I make a plane ticket reservation, I go online and I fill out all the information and I I know where I'm going, I know how much it pays for, I put my credit card info in, here's the airline, here's the seat I want, here's the airport, the desk, all that stuff, where I'm going and everything. But you don't just walk away from the computer. There's one last button way down at the bottom that you still have yet to push or none of it goes through. It's a button that says submit. And if you don't push that button, nothing happens. So he's saying, submit. You can know all this stuff, but if you don't hit the submit button, nothing happens. It's like you got all these fights and all these battles and all this worldliness going. Hit the submit button. Submit to God. Give it to him. Because when you boast, that means you're running on your own authority, which is actually quite puny compared to God's authority anyway. Now, I know a lot of people, they say they're saved. Maybe they are, I don't know. Uh, Some people you can tell and some people you don't, you can't tell. But they have, there's some people that are just not, there are some people out there saying, I'm saved, I'm saved, but they have not yet submitted to God's authority. They won't. They're not quite ready to go that far. But I respect God and so I'm saved. But they won't hit the submit button. Okay, well, I'll just fill out all my uh, airline information, not hit the submit button, show up to the airport and go, where's my seat? And they're going to go, we don't have one for you. You have no place with us because I didn't submit. It's very important that we see that word submit to God. You can't just say, I'm aware of God. I know about Jesus. He's a good guy. I respect him. So I consider myself saved and still run with the world. And you never submit to God. Friends, I'm telling you, you have to submit to God. Well, you mean all of it? Yes, all of it. Well, I can't do that. That's your problem. You've got to give it all to him. You don't think God can take care of your needs? Well, no, I still have to do it. That's the problem submit to God it is false conversion those who will be told by Jesus depart from me for I never knew you those who will not submit to him friends to be saved to be right with God you have to submit to him every bit of what you're thinking right now he it sounds to me like He's saying, I have to give everything yes you're finally getting it <laughs> all of it you mean 100% yeah that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Again, you you fight and you quarrel, you murder, you envy all these things, and you still don't obtain. How come your way hasn't worked yet? It's because you haven't submitted to God. Well yes, I have. Well then what's the problem? There's probably little pockets in there in your life somewhere that you still have not submitted that you need to do that. If you have truly submitted to God, as he says, then when you resist the devil, then he will flee from you. That's a powerful statement. Submit to God. Second or first? First thing you do, submit. Then if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. But he's not going to flee from you if you don't submit to God. This means when you get under the authority of God, then God's authority will now flow through you. Because the devil is not scared of you. Did you know that? I've heard people, come on, Satan, not today. Don't provoke that. He's not scared of you. The devil knows he can take you down. He's already done it. We've already sinned. But when you submit to God all the way, that authority of God flows through you, and that's why the devil will flee from you when you resist him. It's not you. He's I know it says he will flee from you, but it's the authority of God in you that he's running from. His authority will flow through you. Now the Holy Spirit of God indwelling your spirit, that does scare Satan. That's what makes him run. (laughs) Those who continue to live in willful sin are not resisting the devil. They're welcoming him. Come on, devil, let's be buddies. They are not resisting the devil, which means they are not in submission to God. They're still running by their own pride. James 4 and 9. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Okay, this is not a Bible verse you want to post it note and stick it on your wall at work. Okay, because this is about a specific situation. Typically, when I think of Bible verses, I think of them saying the opposite of this. (laughs) I, I typically think it should say, turn your laughter and your gloom into joy, not the other way around. But James is saying, stop celebrating your sin. Stop being happy about your sin. That's what our world is doing today. Sin is where the party's at. Our sin is what Jesus was crucified on the cross for. So stop celebrating it. And so if you're in deliberate, willful sin, you should not be happy as if nothing is wrong. Sin should scare you. It should. Today, people just aren't afraid of what sin will do to them. They celebrate it because they enjoy it the laughter and the joy about sin needs to stop. We need to live repentant lives and humble ourselves down in the sight of the Lord because that's the only place He's going to lift you up. James 4 and 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. See, he's saying brethren again. He's talking to believers. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Okay, this is one of those passages that people twist all up into knots. When they see that word judge. Oh, gosh, when people see the word judge, they go all ten kinds of crazy with it, and it's always negative. Don't judge me, don't judge me. See the Bible. It says, who are you to judge another? But they pluck that out. They, They don't read the rest. What he said was, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother. He puts them together. See, we're given permission to judge righteously, but he says he who speaks evil and judges. That means you're judging wrong we got to take that all into account here, everything he's saying. Most people that see the word judge and the fact that James asked, who are you to judge another, they'll think this means you can never judge anyone anywhere at any time. But you have to judge. Judge means you evaluate. It means you make a decision. You weigh things out. When you're telling somebody about repentance and getting right with Christ, you're weighing out this person, what they're doing. If you know what they're doing is what the Bible says sin, you have to help them get the speck out of your eye, but you got to get your plank out first. We have to remember what Jesus said in John 7, 24. He said, do not judge according to appearance, but judge. See that? He said to do it. For all the judge, not people, look at this. Open your Bible and look. John 7:24 Do not judge and that, and and that's it. He says do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. He tells you to do it. Jesus said, judge, okay? <laughs> but do it right. And so what did James mean then when he said, when he asked the question, who are you to judge another? again, you got to catch his context from verse 11, when he said, don't speak evil to one another. That's the starting basis of the whole thing. Somebody was speaking bad about somebody. They were talking bad. They're stirring the pot, gossip, lying, whatever, and judging. You know that the judging is not righteous when they're talking bad about the guy. So it's, it's wrong judging. Jesus told us to judge with righteous judgment. While James is speaking in agreement with what Jesus said, he's he's telling us not to judge by speaking evil about one another. Now, we can follow Jesus' command to judge others with a righteous judgment. You know, in racing, in the Olympics, when they, they run a race, and they put those guys on that Bema, it's the first, second, third platform, what they're doing is judging the guy right. They put the gold medal on and around his neck saying, I judge you first. The silver goes to I judge you second, and the bronze goes to I judge you third. That's what righteous judgment looks like when they stand on that bema. And by the way, did you know that the believer's judgment is going to be at a place called the bema seat? Isn't that cool? That's where we're judged with righteousness. How cool. So there is a judgment that's right. now. Speaking bad about other people tears them down. That's where the judge not passage that everybody likes to throw at Christians saying that all judging is wrong. No, it's not. Not all judging is wrong. Judging according to evil is wrong, but judging by righteousness is something that Jesus actually told us to do. Because righteous judging builds up while talking bad about others and talking evil of one another tears them down. And not only does it tear down the one you're talking about, But guess what? It tears you down too. Because talking down on others is totally opposite to the humble spirit that God desires of us. And so whoever speaks evil of someone else, that person becomes sentenced by the law of God. Like it says there in James 4, they become sentenced by the law of God. Those of you who call yourselves a Christian, but you're constantly talking bad about other people, you are incriminating yourselves. Did you know that? Well, I'm a Christian, so why are you talking bad about people? You're incriminating yourself. You're not just hurting them, you're hurting yourself. The only one who is above the law is the lawgiver. Look in verse 12. You see how it says lawgiver and verse 12 is capitalized. When verse two, when lawgiver is capitalized, that indicates deity. That means God. God is the lawgiver. And so God not only wrote the law, but he also administrates it. God is both the judicial and the executive branch (laughs) when it comes to this sort of thing. He writes the law and he executes it. As James says in verse 12, he is able to save and destroy. That's the executive part. He can execute judgment. He can also put on salvation to us. And the reason that James wrote that there's only one lawgiver And so that those who have been talking bad about others would realize that they are not above everybody else. Only God is. You know those people that talk like they're better than you. They're above you. And so that gives them the right to talk down on you. You have all been through it. I know you have. Those people are incriminating yourselves. Don't let what they say down on you hurt you. They're hurting their self. The law is incriminating them. They're being sentenced by it. You remember that the law giver God is above all of us. Now, this, would, this lesson here would serve as a, sharp, a very sharp rebuke for all these people that he's writing to. They've been talking bad about each other. They've been getting into fights. This would rebuke them to hear this, that they need to repent and stop talking down on other people, to turn it around, stop tearing people down, and start building people up. Since there is only one lawgiver, that's why James asked, who are you to judge another? Meaning, who are you to speak evil about somebody like you're above them? You are not above them. So who are you to judge in an evil way like this? You're not above them. There's only one log ever. He's the only one above everybody. So what makes you think you've got a place to look down on anybody? You don't. The only one that should be looking down on anybody is God looking down at us. Because he is above us. You lose the right to talk down on other people when you realize that you're not above them and God is above you. James 4 and 13. Don't boast about tomorrow. Verse 13. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. (laughs) Let's make all these big plans. Well, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. He's talking about people looking to make career moves. I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to go do that, and I'm going to make all this money, and we're going to get rich, and we're going to be awesome. And then there's that pride again. See See what they're doing? Let's go move to this city, and we're going to work and buy and sell. We're going to do awesome, and we're going to be cool. And uh, here comes the pride thing again. He says, why are you doing this? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Your life's so short. When every move you make is based on nothing but your selfish desires, career advancement or whatever, selfish desires, you'll end up becoming prideful, which is what James warned us about in verse 6, that God resists the proud. These guys thinking like this, today or tomorrow, we're going to go somewhere, we're going to spend a year, buy and sell, make a profit, we're going to get rich. They're setting themselves up for trouble. They're they're saying, let's run with the world. That's what they're saying. So James is saying we should place our business decisions, it's okay to make business decisions, it's okay to have ambition. I'm not speaking against ambition, but put your business decisions and your ambition underneath God's will submit to God's authority. Did he not just previously say that? Even your business decisions, where you're going to work, where you're going to live, how you're going to do things, even that, not just even giving yourself to God, but even your choices needs to be put under the authority and will of God. It will keep you from becoming prideful. It will keep God from resisting you. And and you'll probably end up being more successful by doing it that way. And I've had people tell me, well, I don't want to give it to God because what if God tells me to do something I don't want to do? Well, I guarantee you it's going to be better off than what you're going to do if you do it your own way. Our ultimate objective should be, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to go do work? Where does God want me to make a living? How does God want me to make an income? What does He have to say about it? Pray. Ask. Remember? You don't have because you don't ask. you got to ask. It's okay to have ambition, but is the ambition to glorify you? Or to glorify God, I get that a lot. Ray, what do I do with my career? I don't know. What, who are you doing it for? You doing it for you? Or are you doing it for the Lord? We need to submit our lives and everything we do to the Lord's will. Well, Ray, how can I how can I give my job to God? How, how do I do that? Well, you've got coworkers, don't you? You've got network people in in your business. Do they know Jesus? Are you making any effort to? Communicate the gospel to them. Well, I can't do that. I'll get fired. Well, then it's, it's about you. It's glorifying you. I worked at a job place representing the gospel to people, and I was told on numerous occasions to stop or you'll get fired. I tried to get fired, and it never happened. God protected me because I gave it to him. It's not that I was just blatant about it. I mean, I did it right. There was a lot of people that were against the Jesus of the Bible that they didn't see it that way. We were friends. But I told them, and I represented, and I was told not to do that. You're going to stir up controversy in the company. Guys, I'm not there to make money. You're at your job to represent Jesus Christ. God could make you rich overnight if he wanted to. So why doesn't he? To keep you in a job among people who need to hear the gospel. And that gospel may come through you that they hear. That's how you can give your job and your career to the Lord, to submit it all to him. Here comes the big kicker in James 4.17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's hard to get away from, guys. You ever had people go, show me in the Bible where it says that's a sin. Show me where it says that. Well, show them that. It covers it all. To him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, that's sin to him. You don't have to pro- provide specifics. There may be some things that sin for you that ain't sin for me. If if you know you're supposed to do it, and you don't, you're sinning. Man, that holds you accountable, doesn't it? I'm supposed to be doing something, and I'm not doing it. I'm sinning. Well, show me the Bible. It's right there, James 4.17. James knew there was going to be a lot of people in his audience that would try to claim ignorance, that they were unaware of everything he'd been teaching. Well, we didn't know that. Well, we were We didn't know, so we're not accountable. You can't hold that on us. But remember, verse 5, James mentions the Holy Spirit who dwells in believers. And when that Holy Spirit dwells in a believer, he gives all of them clear and undeniable knowledge of the things that they are supposed to be doing. You can't get away from it. If you're really saved, you really have that Holy Spirit, you know what you're supposed to be doing. then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.
0: You'll be set you have all you need. Just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set